0: 18-22. As he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen, and and he said to them, Follow me, and I will make fish for your people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father, Zebby, mending their nets, and he called to them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him.
1: Belt palsy. So if some of the words don't sound right, then don't, I'll blame it on that. And, <laughs> um, and also, I want to say thank you and, uh, for your Lighthouse Cabin. That you, as a church, named out at the conference center. There were people out there this weekend, giddy, laughing, excited about this amazing cabin that you all named as the Lighthouse Cabin, and I give you thanks for all of that, and it will do good ministry over the years. So, thank you. Today, I cannot stand by am fault. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> do something, church. Do something. A few years ago, my Culver uh, Culverstock in college, I was a trustee there, and They came up with this new slogan called, Do Something. And then all the brochures they put up, you know, is do something. Do something different. Do something amazing. Do something that changes someone's life. It was was their slogan. And I'm a little bit of a cynic sometimes that I thought, you know, maybe it's just a slogan. You know, it's designed to get students to go to Culver Stockton College, and that would be true. But it seemed that as I talked to the students across college, they were all saying it, they were all buying into it. They were getting excited about this challenge that to do something, to make a difference in their life than just live it and be mediocre, but they wanted to do something amazing. And then it occurred to me that I had been hearing that phrase all my life. And it started with my grandfather, you see, my grandfather, by the time I got to know him, he looked a lot like me. You would have known
0: him.
1: But my grandfather had this little tradition that he used to do. He would, um, it turns out that he used to have red, bright red hair when he was younger. And he would go into the back room and he would get his toupee, which was bright red, and he'd put it on his head. And at first it scared me. I had no idea who he was. <laughs> but then he would, he would go and he would sit in the recliner and he would invite all the grandchildren to come and sit around him. And so we would. And then he would begin to tell us stories of his life. He would tell us about growing up in Monroe County, Iowa and being one of the first uh, of his family to work in the coal mines there. Not a story necessarily I knew, but there were coal mines in southern Iowa, and many of his family, including him, worked in the coal mines. And he would tell us about the adventures and the tragedies and all of that that went with that. And then he, he told us about serving in World War II and stories that went with that. He told us that when he came home from the, the service, his grandfather was struggling with the farm and how he had come uh, back and, and helped his, his father make that farm uh, productive. So it was a farm that I grew up on as well. But he also told stories that I never knew whether or not I should believe or not. <laughs> there were a lot of entries. One of them had to do with when he came back to the farm, he learned, you know, the basic trait was you fix things with what you have. You learn. To, to, to fix things, uh, become a and have lots of things that you know. And he was working on one of the discs, um, the disc up the ground, and those are very sharp blades, and he was underneath there, and he was working on it, and he put his hand down, and the tractor moved backwards,
0: <coughs> and he lost
1: a finger, but here's the story that he told us. He told us that he grabbed his finger off the ground, he stuck it back on, wrapped it up in a handkerchief, went to the doctor, and the doctor for microsurgery, I guess. And he said, yeah, the doctor said, just leave it, it'll be fine. And he would show us his scar. I don't know if it's true or not. And then he also told us about the time that his friend was in a semi-truck accident, and then semi was leaning on his side kind of on a hill. And But his friend couldn't get out, so he got in, got his friend out, but just as he was getting his friend out, the tractor-trailer went ahead and it fell on over, and it actually landed on him about here. And he told us about his recovery, um, and how he would do that again. Now, all the details are true, but then he would say this to us. He would say, I want to hear your story. I want to hear you talk about stories, not just you listening to my stories. Next time we come together, you come and tell me a story. And I remember that all of us, at first, simply tried to to imitate his stories. So I remember actually telling him about the time I was in the garden and a pumpkin fell on me and it landed right here. (laughs) I don't think he believed me. But I do remember him saying that phrase to us, or constantly saying, it's not enough that you just hear my stories. I want you to do something, and then come tell me what you did. All my life, I've been told to do something amazing, do something that changes lives. And my grandfather always wanted to hear the stories. I remember the last time that I was with him, at the end of his life, he was in the hospital and he, as I came in, he said, how are you doing, Bill? And I said, I'm yeah, doing okay. Farmers don't really, Midwestern questions farmers, they don't really talk a lot, just, you know. And then he said, so, what have you been doing? And he wanted to hear, even in that moment, the things that I had been doing, the things, the stories that I hope to tell my own son, or my own grandfather, not right now. When I think about this scripture, the story that we all know, this is a story that most of us have heard a long time, it's the time when Jesus comes by and he calls the disciples who are fishing, they're doing a good job, but he actually calls them to do something that is much bigger, to do something that will change not only their own lives, but will change the lives of the world. He calls them to do something incredible, different. And they follow. I can imagine, can you imagine, you were there and essentially the challenge is, are you willing to do something amazing? Are you willing to take the challenge that might change yourself and might change the world? You see, sometimes as church, We come here and we hear the stories of Scripture. We listen to them. We know them. But that's not enough. It's not enough for us just to hear the stories. We have to do as the stories did. We have to create our own stories in this world, this church, and be amazing. Do something amazing. Do something that changes lives. Putting the Scripture stories into action. Making our own stories so that the world sees a church that is doing something. And doing something that is so attractive that they cannot resist by become involved. Now, I'm here to challenge. Because I think it's so important. But I don't think that when I say do something, I'm not thinking you have to do something that makes the national news. I don't think you have to do something that's... So I, mean, I think every day there are things that we do as church, as Christians that actually have the ability to change our lives and change the lives around us. His name was Mr. Berkey. Uh, is Mr. Berkey. Mr. Berkey was just one of those sort of people that hang around Mitchell, where I live. And I'd see him walk in the streets, I'd see him at Casey's, I'd see him at the library. He was a bit odd, I admit I didn't really know him that well, but I knew him because in the town, Everybody knows Mr. Berkey. And then one day I got to know him a little better, because you see, Tristan, when he was in elementary school, struggled with mathematics. He was great with writing, but literally he could not get the basic mathematics, and it was really struggling for him. He would sometimes cry when he would come home. Don't tell him I told you that. (laughs) (laughs) But then one day, after his teachers had tried, After his parents had tried, Tristan came home and said, I got it. Mr. Berkey spent a half an hour with me taking the time to work through the mathematics. But Mr. Berkey is not a teacher. He's just a person who decided that this is the one thing that he could do. And he decided to do something, and he volunteers at the school just to give students a little extra attention that I can assure you made all the difference in the world. As it turns out, you can Google Mr. Berkey Mitchellville, and it did make a national story uh, that was on the news a couple of years ago. He's still an odd guy. he has my ultimate respect. Because he did something. And so to this day, on the exciting day of an installation of your two ministers, my challenge to you, Travis, and to you, Marty, is this. To do something. I already know that you are amazing. I already know that you bring gifts and excitement to this church. I already know that you're going to be doing something. I'm still going to challenge you. Don't be afraid to do something. Do something different. I heard you already did a few different things. (laughs) But don't be afraid to do something. Do it. Get excited. Don't be afraid to fail. Do something that has the potential of feeding your souls changing your own lives but challenges your congregation to do something that changes the world as well. Just do something. And to you, if all you do is listen to them give get great sermon for at least mostly great on Sunday, <laughs> if all you do is simply listen to the stories of Scripture, that's not enough. Because God has given each and every one of us a gift as church, as members of the church to take what you have to listen to the stories and find a way to do something that changes your world that feeds your souls that does nothing less than change this world and make a difference to the people outside these walls so that church as it is supposed to be is so attractive that people will seek out the hope and good news that we have. Follow God today. Insha Amen.
0: Together today in this service of worship to consider our common mission and ministry as God's people. We've heard the scriptures and the message, the responsibilities we all bear in the covenant of ministry have been made known. Now we solemnly enter into this covenant of installation. Will those present or this congregation please stand if you are able and responsibly repeat our covenant with our ministers? We have been called by God to to be pastors of the Church of Jesus Christ, and and we come as God's servants ready to be your ministers. We are called by God to be the Church of Jesus Christ, and we welcome you and receive you as ministers of Christ and as our pastors. We covenant with you to be your preachers and teachers, to speak to you the Word of God as it comes to us through the Scriptures and reason, as it comes to us in our experiences in the community of faith and in the human community, and as it comes to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We have met with you to be seekers after the Word of God, to be earnest tutors and diligent students, searching all Will in our lives, in believing there is yet more truth to come from God's word. We come covenant with you to be your pastor and friends, and your, friend, your counselor, counselor and companion in both the agonies and the ecstasies and of life, the sorrows and, sorrows and joys, the defeats and, the and triumphs, sharing regularly with you in the ministry, ministry of prayer and presence. And we come in with you and with one another to share this ministry with you, to support you in our common ministry, to join you. speaking words of forgiveness and love. We will take risks as we lead you towards whom God is calling you to be, individually, and who God is calling us to be as God's people in this place. To, to be your, your pastors, we regard it as a great honor and high privilege to enter into this covenant, covenant relationship with you. We humbly present ourselves our to you in the name of Christ our Lord for formal installation as, as your minister for as, as long as it, as it seems good both, both to us and, and to the Holy Spirit. After careful consideration and prayer, we all of you to be our pastors. We sincerely believe this is all God.
1: laying out of hands and blessing of this moment because we are whole church. There you
0: are. <laughs>
1: in order to do this, we would like to link up so you put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you and then we sort of come in and place uh, hands on the shoulders of heads, just not too much. On your ministers. Come in if you want to customers in front of you, whatever, let's all be up in some way. All right. I think we are church. Let's pray. A gracious and amazing God. What an exciting day You have joined with this congregation and these pastors to celebrate what might be. You are gathered here in this room with all of these, your children, with gifts and talents that you have bestowed, and you stand here challenging them to be the church you have dreamed of. I ask for your blessing upon Marty and Travis and this congregation and every member, that they would have the gifts, they would have the bravery to take risks, to do something different, do something that you are calling them to do to share the good news, the hope, and the transformative story that we all know. Bless them. Challenge them as well, God. Bring them great joy as they do ministry in this world with you.